Hello, and welcome back to Doctor Whom. I'm Andrew, and uh, again, I'm joined by Libby. Hello. And Robert. How's it going? And hopefully by now we've replaced this with some professional-sounding nonsense of an intro. Uh, But for now, we'll be talking about uh, Doctor Who Season 1, Episode 3, The Unquiet Dead. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yes. Okay, good. Yes, you did. Uh, First and foremost, just a little disclaimer for you two and for those listening at home. My first pass on this episode, I was very drunk. And I have notes from that time. And I would like to play a game throughout the episode called What Do These Notes Mean? Where I genuinely don't know what I was saying most of the time. Fantastic. I think we should guess whether whatever you're saying was something that you came up with drunk or sober. Okay, we can do that. (laughs) Sounds like a fantastic time it's just like a little (laughs) mini game because i was irresponsible i did however today like half an hour before this podcast uh was before we started recording i i I finished re-watching the episode so it is it is fresh in my brain um and i do actually remember the episode now which is good proud of you thank you um but without further ado should we get into it yeah, nice let's indeed. do it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So we begin um within the uh do they ever say the name of the uh wow, what a great start. <laughs> it's just fucking, it's just the um, the uh whatever it's called. The place where the dead people go to sleep. <laughs> exactly. The, the morgue the, well no the morgue is the specific room but i guess that does count because it does start in that room well it's undertaker um it's like the memorial place the funeral home funeral home there the, fun home. the funerary funerary location um god all right let's start that. this is off to an unhinged start yeah, already y'all. but it's great it's great i think we should just power through all right go uh, all right the funeral home uh, Mr. Sneeds, I don't know if it's like that, but that's who runs it. Um, uh, Mr. Redpath is there viewing his grandmother. They have the moment of like, I'll leave you alone, you know. That's Robert, I, I don't, I don't want to interrupt so quickly into yes. the plot synopsis of this episode, but I do already have my first note, um, which is, and we can guess whether or not I, I wrote this drunk or sober, okay? It starts, first, I'm drunk. <laughs> Second, Sneed, I have a guess. and it's just Sneed with a question mark, and I have no idea what I meant. Maybe it's just his name is ridiculous. His name is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I I know someone in real life with the last name Sneed, so I can't say it's that ridiculous. Well, you just did. I hope they don't listen Sorry. to this. <laughs> anyway, I apologize. Go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna guess those are drunk because. You know, Sneed. <laughs> Isn't a crazy name. Anywho. Sneed leaves the uh, grandson, uh, Mr. Redpath, there to mourn his grandmother. And we see the, as far as we're concerned at this point, the spirit, but um, as we'll learn later, the gaseous creature known as a gill, which I hope I, 
Gilf, Geth, Gilf. I Gelf. wish they Geth Gelf. is from Mass Effect. Mass Effect, yeah. Which is what, like, I wish they didn't just yeah, stick it. Come L. on, guys, have some uh, the more original thing, right? alien names, please. It's undead alien nonsense, and it's the same. It's I don't know who ripped off who, if I'm being honest. And Gelt is the Hanukkah coins. That's right. <laughs> it would have to be Mass Effect ripping off Doctor Who, because this is 2005 and Mass Effect was like 2008. Uh, so interesting. But the Gelt possesses the corpse, wrings his neck, does a pretty good job of uh, not only choking this poor man out, but also then breaking his neck before Sneed can rush in and attempt to break up the situation before he is also knocked out. And then she just busts loose down um, Victorian Cardiff. I do love how Sneed's response to this is not at all to freak out. He's just like, oh man, not again. Ah, nuts. <laughs> um, I also, I'm, I, and this is my first qualm. Um, why didn't the lady kill Sneed? He got knocked out. I, yeah, but so you could, uh, that makes the job easier. They're ghosts and they know whether or not someone's dead and they need dead people. So why wouldn't she kill Sneed? They're not ready to come through yet. Okay. Like, the, the she just had like, an appointment to see Charles. Yeah, oh yeah. And she's also bound by, like, I guess. Can't, can't miss that show. She's bound by plot. Yeah, bound by plot. Because now that you got me thinking about it, if the aliens are possessing them, why do they still need to follow the memories of the person? They very, very quietly say, like offhand, when they all meet together, that like they still retain some semblance of personality. And I'm just like, how? How? It's the ghost or it's the gelf in the body. It's not, they're not like reanimating the person. Yeah, no dead people. This is one of those like moments you like watching the episode. It wasn't bad, but now that we're all talking about it, (laughs) (laughs) there's a little a bit of inconsistency here. Yeah, so she heads off, um, and then we cut to after the intro, of course. Rose and the Doctor in the time machine to the time machine. (laughs) Man, I'm off to a great start today. In the time and space machine. (laughs) The time and space machine. The space travel box. Um, but no, they're in the TARDIS. Things are going like a little haywire. Um, but the Doctor is intent on, since they've sh- he's shown Rose the future, he's going to show her the past now. And they're going to go to Christmas Eve, Naples, 1869. Which Well, well they planned for 1860. They planned for 1860, yeah. Um, also, let's go oh, to... 1860, yeah. yeah. So uh, round two, two dates backwards. of drunk or sober is just uh, p- present, future, past. A classic trifecta. Sounds like a coherent. Note. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds too coherent. I tricked both of you. That was I was very drunk when I wrote that. Hey, nice. Yeah. <sighs> Damn. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we're planning for 1860 in Naples. Uh-huh. 1860 Naples. They hit their location. We don't see it, of course. Um, not yet, because Rose wants to be the yeah, first one out the door. Mm-hmm. Well, she has to get She changed. tells the doctor a little later in the scene that, you know, he's done it a dozen times, but she wants to mm-hmm. 
see the past first. But yeah, she the doc before she can rush out, the doctor stops her and like, you have to change your clothes, which does bring in a kind of a funny joke. She goes to change, and then when she comes back, she's like, "What did you do?" He's like, "Changed my jumper." <laughs> Just. I also love how I, th- I think this is the first time we really get a sense of um, how astronomically large the TARDIS really is. Mm-hmm. Because when he's giving her directions, and he's just got the shit-eating grin the whole time, and like she, he's giving her directions, and it's just it's way too much. It doesn't make any sense. And at some point, I'm pretty sure later in the 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 show, I don't know if it's this season, but there's a pool just like right, like right off the way of the main thoroughfare, and it's just so fun. To know that the writers are just like, yeah, we can pretend it's as big as we want. They're only ever going to see this room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do love that he keeps a costume closet and then never changes his own clothes. Also, yeah. this this goes to show how dramatic the doctor is because the closet should be more uh, like readily available. It should be closer. Well, he never has to change his own clothes. So he ostensibly is hey. keeping a costume closet with like all sorts of clothing in there. He changed his jumper. For... He did change. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. He's just wearing his leather jacket around, which, by the way, I Googled it, and those were not popular during Charles Dickens' era. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you took the time to Google that. Thank you. They were popularized during World War One. Did you know that? I did not. I know that now. I did not know that, but that kind of makes sense. Due to yeah, that. it was like a whole aviation thing. Is that why they're called bomber jackets? Uh-huh. Oh, cool. <laughs> The more you know. The more you know. This also does kind of get into, like, fashion. He can kind of get away with it, because men's fashion has a really, like, pants and suit jacket, but, like, women's, on the other hand, has, like, gone through so many variations. Of, like, Women get all the cool clothes. Like, I've said it before, I'll say it true. again. But they uh, have their moment. Um, yeah, we get a little bit of the TARDIS. Time-space nonsense, how big it is. Rose gets exit into the glorious snow, uh, first time in the past, and then they kind of stroll around the the city a little, and then we get our next cut because we got to introduce our guest for this, our time travel guest, Charles Dickens. Charlie D. <laughs> He's having a bit Mr. of a moment Chuck backstage Dickie. before one of his readings, which is kind of nice that like, because he's not like, oh, I'm. Spry upstart Dickens, like you see a lot of the times, is like, oh boy, I gotta do this again. (laughs) His old man, jaded Dickens. Mm -hmm. I do love that he's, you know, either taking a nap or just getting drunk or something, and the stage guy comes in to get him, and he's like, no, I was just brooding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna start using that. I love how overly dramatic Charles Dickens is, and like, why would you expect anything else? He's brooding, man. Yeah. We're all brooding inside. Mm-hmm. As he gets prepared for his reading, which this is where I did my research. Um, this was actually a reading. He like, I don't know if he was ever going to go to Cardiff, but uh, he had to cancel this because he would have a stroke a couple of months into this tour he was having. And then he did finish the tour, but it also, you know, leads into what we'll learn at the end of the episode is that he'll die in 1870 here that's coming up maybe the stroke was the cover story another stroke 
Like yeah, if you met be. the doctor, went a little crazy. People were like, oh my god, my dad had a stroke. <laughs> I saw a ghost. <laughs> I don't think it was the cover story. I think it was just part of the, like, he's on his way out the door. Yeah. <laughs> for, for a way to put it. Like, this is close to the end of uh, good old uh, Dickens' uh, mm-hmm. time here on our on our Earth. Do you think do you think that they do that because they do that with multiple like famous historical figures? Do you think that they shoot like they get them at the end of their life so that if they ever want to reuse the character, they can just have the doctor meet a younger version of them? And then the the person will still be like incredulous and like oh, so that they won't remember having met him already? Yeah, and then like the doctor can be like, "Oh yeah, I met him before, but like time is weird, you know, so he didn't so like it doesn't I, I met him before, but not till now, you know what I mean? I think that's really smart, and I think that with deeply no offense to the creators of Doctor Who, the amount of unfilled plot holes in this show they did not think about that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I don't think they really thought about it. I think it was just also the writers wanting to tell a story of like instead of stereotypical Dickens, part of getting everyone to sign on for this one was like, Hey, let's do a more morose, like Dickens at the end of his life, kind of a, of a deal. Not the Dickens you see, would see in like, say Assassin's Creed or something. Like, <laughs> it was normally like, I think it's just happenstance because not the jump eight seasons ahead or however many it is, but like the doctor meets Mary Shelley when she's like 17. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> So I don't think they really put, like, like Libby said, I don't really think they put a lot of thought into like when they're meeting. It's just a more of a matter of who's writing the story at the moment in time. Yeah. Well, speaking of, this is the first one that wasn't written by Davies, right? Yeah, this right. is a Gatiss special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You would go on the right, like a lot of them, like once one a season. I think I think he write, He also writes my favorite one that we'll eventually get to <laughs> when they meet Robin Hood. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I will say one of my favorite episodes was written by Neil Gaiman, and I'm very excited for us to get to that. Ooh. I think that's a Matt Smith episode. <laughs> that's cool. I didn't know Neil Gaiman had written anything. Yeah, I'm pretty Dr. sure he Gaiman. only ri- wrote the one, right? I think he's written two. Uh, I believe it's The Doctor's Wife, and then, like, oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like The Silver... Oh yeah, I remember which one you're talking about. That one's the one with the the decrepit amusement park, right? Right. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm, yeah, because it's I a remember. Cyberman because it's yep. silver and, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I will like the the doctor's wife um, is one of my favorite episodes. It's so good. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's not the episode we're talking about. We're talking no, about Charles. Dickens. We're talking about Charles Dickens. Um. Anyway, he's sad. He's sad. But he goes, the show must go on. He goes and does his reading of A Christmas Carol. And then we get... This is when we go back to the uh, funerarium, right? Yeah, we go back to the... Because we need to see Sneed. Uh, he gets his maid, uh, Gwyneth. Hey, that's that girl from Torchwood. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> she looks familiar. Yeah, eventually, yeah, that's Gwen... Gwen Cooper. Cooper character did you guys know that torchwood and doctor who are like supposed to be in the same universe isn't that crazy really wow wow shocker (laughs) (laughs) it's not that like they see that entire 
backstory for Torchwood and Tenet's first season. <laughs> it's not like it's fully led by Jack Harkness. <laughs> Who? We haven't met him yet. Okay. Torchwood isn't an anagram for Doctor Who. Wait, it is. <laughs> what? <laughs> but no, yeah. You'll we'll see be seeing more of uh the actress at least, and not the the character, because um she'll go on the play Gwen Cooper and uh this is actually from what I understand doing my research end of it, this is part big part of the reason why she was cast as in, in Torchwood later on. She did and a pretty good job. Her. Yeah. I thought she was great, yeah. So Sneed grabs her, uh with uh they go out on the the Hearst here, um in searching for uh, Mrs. Peace. Can I, Which, can I, Robert, yes. you did it again. You added what? a T to Hearst. <laughs> like you Hearst s- Castle? You said Hearst. And I just, I, I can't let it go because it's always a T. And I don't understand. They're in their Hearst. <laughs> <Right along. laughs> um, I also would like to point out. One of my favorite lines from this episode that happens right before this, which is, stop prevaricating, girl. Get the hearse ready. We're going body snatching. <laughs> yeah. They've definitely, like, we get a sense that this has been happening for a bit, so they're getting, like, familiar with the idea of chasing <laughs> <laughs> like, corpses being reanimated on them. Because so. they're in the middle of town, and they're not quite sure where she's went to. And then Sneed is like, use the, the sight, girl. So we get a sense that uh, Gwyneth has psychic powers because then she's able to locate Mrs. Peace has gone to Dickens reading here. Then also we, we got over to Rose and the doctor. He's buying a newspaper to check the date because apparently that you can't just flip a switch on the TARDIS and look at where he's landed. <laughs> he's got to do the old newspaper trick by the uh, see what day and month it is. And this is where we learned. Yes. They missed 1860 Naples, and they've hit 1869 Cardiff, Wales. And this brings us to round three of Drunk or Sober, where my note is, is Cardiff accent? That's it. That's the whole note. Is Cardiff accent? That's drunk. What What the heck does that even mean? I don't know, Robert. Is Cardiff accent? Is there a Cardiff accent? No, there's no way that that's what it means. Because I know there's a Cardiff accent. I don't, <laughs> I think, I think, I what I meant to write is, is Cardiff a joke? Oh, okay. So I also had a note about that because the doctor is like, it's not 1860s, 1869, and it's not Naples or whatever. And Rose is just like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care. It's Christmas Eve. And then he's still like, it's Cardiff. And she's like. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. I, don't know. I I think that's what I was doing because I th- I I don't know. I might have gotten. I don't think I liked Gwen's accent. Is that her real accent? Yes, I, I that's just how so, she talks. Yeah. Oh no, it's a Welsh accent. It's a Welsh accent, my Whoops. guy. I don't think I. Like, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know how I feel about Welsh accents. I guess that's how a whole. Um country for lack of a better way to put it speaks man i thought it was fake (laughs) no my bad well when we do our torchwood watch you're gonna get a whole lot of them (laughs) yeah because i think part of the joke is doctor who's the bbc studio that they're filming it is in cardiff so the joke is oh we're in cardiff 
as a play on like I mean they're day in they day in and day out filming Doctor Who. That's where they're at. Mm. I don't think they actually filmed this scene there. I think they had to film this in like Swansea or something because this, there's not a lot of Victorian buildings in Cardiff. At the <laughs> moment, so. They had to film in like a London uh, suburb. It still had a lot of Victorian uh, buildings up. But this is where our three storylines uh, meet. Dickens is giving his Christmas carol. Um, Mrs. Peace is in the audience. And then she begins to glow. He's in the middle of his like Marley's door knocker. And he's like, it looked just like, and he's like, oh, it looks just like her out in the audience starting to go, go crazy. Um, and everybody in the audience panics, which causes Sneed and Gwyneth to realize where they are, which also gets the attention of the doctor and Rose. Cause he's like, oh man, this is more my pace. I don't, he's so excited about danger and anything going wrong. And it's just, he's a little chaos goblin yeah but it is a it is still dangerous for rose Mm -hmm. yeah so everybody rushes in practically to this building Uh, the doctor runs up to dickens and he's just like did you see it where did it come from what's going on dickens is like you did this why did you you're behind this (laughs) tom fooler immediately just jumps on the doctor's case Mm -hmm. it's because of the leather jacket yeah he's just like this guy's anachronistic this guy's it's like he's a real scene. bad boy. <laughs> this guy looks like a practical joker. I will say it's not a Britishism, but I will like to bring up the fact that at, when Dickens, when she starts the glove, he's like, "What is this phantasmagoria?" Phantasmagoria well, is word, an right? excellent word. Oh, great yeah. word, absolutely. Word of the day. The gelt gets released from Mrs. Pierce and goes up into the uh, gas works, which the doctor notices. He's like, "Hmm, Rose." goes after Gwyneth and Steve because they head straight to the body of Mrs. Peace and haul her ass out back to the hearse. She follows, discovers she's dead. and goes like, what? Um, and then that's when uh, Sneed and Gwyneth kidnap her. <laughs> Chuck her in the back. They go hard on the kidnapping. Like they fully chloroform her and everything. Mm-hmm. They're very obviously getting rid of Rose so that Charles Dickens can be like their little sidekick this episode. And it's just, it's, it's very fun. Like they got to utilize the cameo, I guess, of the historical figure. Mm-hmm. Like guest starring Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sneed and Gwyneth kidnap Rose um, after a very, very poor attempt to convince Rose that nothing is, there's nothing wrong here. We're all fine. <laughs> Woman's not dead. She just, you know, she's has, she has a brain disease. Brain fever, which yeah. which people used to believe was a thing, I think. And then, like, doctors were like, no, there's no such thing as brain fever. <laughs> what do they know? They're just doctors. Mm-hmm. That's enough time for the doctor to see the kidnapping. Dickens is following him out because I guess he wants to, like get to the bottom behind this practical joker's um illusions here and then they hijack the doctor attempts to hijack dickens's carriage here and dickens gets in after him they, they chase after the hearse yeah and then dickens is like very obstinate about the whole thing until the doctor realizes that he's charles dickens and fangirls over him and then dickens is just like oh i guess he can stick around if he's gonna like gas me flattery up like will this. get you everywhere yeah <laughs> He's just like, you're brilliant. He starts listing off his books. And then we do have that fun exchange of 
anachronism of language here. What is a fan? He's like, what the hell are you talking about? I feel like that bit is just them trying to fill time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Time they could have used filling out other information later on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I feel like once we get back to the funeral home, it, the pacing gets crazy. Like, oh, yeah. it just goes quick. Like, they don't stop for a breath. It just keeps going and going and going. And it just, it, it's a little haphazard, you know what I mean? There's very much an adventure. Like, this is an adventure. Let's keep going on. But I feel like they could have taken two minutes here and there to just breathe a little with some of the uh, the points they'll bring up later on. Like, there's, mm-hmm. like, conflict. But, like, the conflict gets breezed over real quick. And it's like... You could have spent an extra two minutes, I think. And the, the twist gets twisted real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not a lot of like surprise about anybody's intentions here coming up. So yeah, they chase him down. We get to the uh, funeral home. Uh, they lay Rose in with the corpses, which anybody watching a zombie movie ever knows that's a bad idea. <laughs> they... They eventually come back to life. They try to, the doctor and Dickens arrives and they get one, one of my favorite um, lines I think I've ever heard is Dickens is like, because Gwyneth comes out and just like, oh, we're closed. And he's like, when does a undertaker keep office hours? The dead don't die on a schedule. Yeah. He, he's just immediately like all like, he's just no nonsense. Like, I know you're fucking lying to me. Get mm-hmm. Get out of my way. And it just, it, like, mad respect for Charles Dickens. Yeah, literally I wrote that down as a quote and then just followed it with, hell yeah, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor crushes in because he hears, um, continuing with the theme of the gas, like, he hears something in the wall exactly near, like, the gas vein for one of the lamps. And that's also when they, about the time when Rose screams loudly enough for them all to hear because she's in with the, you know, zombies. Mm-hmm. This, I think, and I and I genuinely don't remember enough of the rest of this season to comment on whether or not this is, like, every episode it happens. But they do, uh, like, objectively get start getting into a pattern of Rose gets taken away and immediately put into danger. And it's like, I get that that is how we get stakes with the companions, but I do like later on when the companions can actually hold their own yeah, and they're like not just damsels in distresses. Mm-hmm. It feels like they forgot that they had Rose save the doctor in the first episode and can sort of hold her own. And mm-hmm. then just because it's yeah. two episodes in a row where mm-hmm. she's a bait, I guess for like, <laughs> right. To be fair though, gymnastics could not have saved her either time. No, you no, can maybe we... flip out of range of a dead zombie thing. No, they move pretty fast. But it was locked. The door was locked. Yeah. So, what do you gotta do? Just run around the room. Just in both instances, <laughs> in both instances, she was Trapped almost killed because door. of a locked yeah. door. Rough. Yeah. Yes. Damn. What a way to go! But uh, she is saved in the time <laughs> in time by the doctor. And this is where the Gelf in the corpses give their first line of communication with us, uh, opening the the rift. They need to come through. They need help. They can't get through. 
Help us. Help us, Obi-Wan. <laughs> I like pity the Gelf. Mm-hmm. Doctor tries to mine them, but then they get sucked back up into the walls for some reason. And then we have the nice little uh, everybody's gathering for tea to explain what the the hell is happening. Mm-hmm. And they very, and this is where they very quickly say something along the lines of like, "Yeah, they the the dead come back and they regain a piece of themselves." And it's just like, how how they're like. In the moment, you're like, yeah, they're ghosts. That makes sense. And then you watch the rest of the episode, and you're like, they're definitely aliens. Like, how does mm-hmm. this make sense? Yeah, the more and more you learn that they're aliens, and they're, like, they're gaseous aliens that are attracted to corpses because they're releasing gas. Um, and they can possess them. But, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do they retain the memories of the person? Because if they're their own entity... Why would they have also the memories of the person? It's there? because Doctor Who sometimes feels the need to lie to us about whether or not this show is dealing with supernatural stuff or sci-fi stuff. Yeah. And so sometimes they really have to dial up that supernatural stuff, even though even if it doesn't make any sense. Well, mm-hmm. it's like they wanted to write a ghost story and then they were like, oh shit, we're an alien show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's have zombies, but they can't be, you know... Supernatural. Yeah. Sometimes you just let the, the ghosts be ghosts. They let it be a mystery. Were they really ghosts? Were they aliens? I don't know. In this case, no, they're they're aliens. It's unfortunately. Yeah. So this is where we yeah, the doctor we learned a little bit about it, like it's been going on for a couple of months. They retain some of the memories, like Andrew says. Uh but this is where the doctor puts together like the rift. It's a space time rift. Because of right. course, doesn't quite is. say it out loud. Because, um, because why would you like take the time five minutes to explain any of this? Because, uh, they wouldn't believe it in Victorian. Charles <laughs> Dickens wouldn't understand this. He has only written twenty books that are all considered the greatest works in human language. <laughs> but during this like little rest period, this is also where we get Rose and Gwendolyn. Like Gwyneth chatting up Gwyneth, sorry. Gwyneth, yeah. Gwyneth. Um chatting up a storm of and like giggling with each other, which is cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get a lot of like little... Rose is really breaking Gwyneth's brain. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think her brain was a little bit broken already because like she she doesn't seem to have like even with a psychic mumbo jumbo, she doesn't seem to have the most social prowess. Well, she's just being scandalized. <laughs> yeah, we get a bunch of like little pair moments to like explain everybody's like motive and stuff. Because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we get Rose and Gwyneth for a bit, and uh, you learn more about uh, her psychic powers. She begins to read Rose and everything. We learn Rose's father is is, is dead, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I believe in the scene. We also have the most explicit use of the words "bad wolf," mm-hmm. <laughs> the big bad wolf. That we will have gotten so far, and then you know, those will play a big role later in the season. Um, I, I think this is a, a good time for the next round of Drunk or Sober, um, where I I wrote down I always love in when people in the past describe planes as metal birds. Seems coherent. I'm gonna go with sober, even though that burned me the last time. Mm. I'm going with drunk this time. Libby, Libby wins it out. Robert, you gotta go. You gotta go. You can't get tricked by the same thing twice. It's not true because, like, it's, I'm starting <laughs> to wonder if whether or not you're 
as coherent like there's a difference between sober and coherent andrew there i sure as heck hope there is apparently not in your note taking apparently you take more clear notes sick burn well yeah I guess other than Sneed, question mark? Or <laughs> is Cardiff accent? <laughs> See, there's some. You know, it's a little bit of both. Uh, but yeah, we do get a scene with uh, in this quiet moment with uh, Dickens and the Doctor where Dickens uh, explains to the Doctor is like, here, his whole motivation for like wanting to not believe it's real because it's like, I've spent my whole life debunking this stuff. To, to help people, right? And yeah, you're telling me that, like, weird shit is part of reality. You know? Yeah. He's like, I did I waste my life? He's just, mm-hmm. like, having a little menti B. <laughs> That's that hip new lingo for mental breakdown. <laughs> you know what the kids call it these days? On, on them TikToks? There's nothing else we really want to hit here. Um, yeah, it really slows down in that middle chunk and then just kicks the fuck off. Yeah, because we go, the doctor decides that it's, we, we need to have a seance. Uh, why they need to have a seance for aliens? Like, he knows they're aliens at this point. I think he's just playing along because he thinks it's fun. And he's just like, this is a really good way for mm-hmm. me to make sure that Gwyneth um, like, sort of does what I want her to do because it's essentially the same mm-hmm. thing. And she already kind of like it, it's framing the sci-fi nonsense to a point where the Victorian citizenship would be able to understand. Right. Which I get like it's, but at no point does that like he talked to like, there's not a minute where he says like to Rose, like we need to have a seance because it'll help Gwyneth like understand how to connect with the rift. Right. It's just we need to have a seance because that's how it's going to work. Because that's how aliens do. I feel like this, the biggest part of this episode, as much as I liked it, like there's the transitions are missing, you know? Like, (laughs) there's not a whole lot of explanation. They, it's a ghost episode. They had to do a seance. How do we get there? We just Mm -hmm. say, hey, let's have a seance. And then we have a seance. Right. So, yeah, they have the seance. Gwyneth connects with the gal. And this is where we get like a conversation between them. And they talk about how they used to have bodies, but they were destroyed. And then they need to, the rifts needs to be opened up larger so that the, the survivors from the time war <laughs> um, can like survive. And they would like to use the human bodies. Mm-hmm. They want to come over. And, um, and I think, I, I don't know if they are, I don't know if they know who the doctor is. But, like, they really touch on the one thing that's going to make him, like, desperate to help them. They really tug on the guilt of, like, him being involved in the time war and, like, the survivor's guilt that he carries with him. And they're just like, yeah, we died during that war that you fought in and survived. So help us out, man. The way I interpreted it is, like, they're just casualties of the time war. Like, Mm -hmm. they didn't know the doctor was a part of it. It's just this war was so big and so bad that there are certain like alien species out there that got really screwed up by it. Just That's because how I read it, was... it too. I didn't think it was purposeful manipulation. That's fair. 
they were just explaining yeah like they're casualties of this time war but the thing is is they're very they're, they're absolutely shown to be manipulative you know what I mean? oh yeah so like there's it's not, plenty it's... of other purposeful manipulation <laughs> i just didn't think it was like they knew who the doctor was right that's fair but this triggers the uh a little bit of a conflict between rose and the doctor because just like hey can't use bodies he's like why not and like well because and nobody ever <laughs> nobody ever explains their motivations in any mm-hmm. way that makes sense or brings up any like logical arguments about why like you know maybe a decomposing corpse is not gonna last longer than maybe you know a couple of weeks at most mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, think... but that's not even her argument her argument's just like oh that's just, it's gross and wrong Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not going to fly, Rose. And the doctor's just like, listen, you're a space traveler now. There's a different moral compass you got to follow. Sometimes you just got to let this happen. And I think he's just, from from how I'm reading it, I think he's really just rationalizing this decision. Because I think, for the most part, like, especially what we see of, and I guess this is, you know, splitting hairs because it's different versions of the doctor later, right? But, like, mm-hmm. I feel like what we see of the doctor later is a apprehension to this sort of thing. And maybe it's sort of fed by being betrayed this time. But like, I feel like his guilt over the time war is outweighing his desire to actually, for lack of a better term, preserve the sanctity of, of these corpses. Mm -hmm. I kind of get that again, though it's, I guess it's the same thing. It's missing that like transitional link is like, I think it would have played better. I think the episode would have made more sense if he said something like that. You know what I mean? Instead of just saying, hey, my moral compass is different. Okay. Why? Yeah. I feel like all of Eccleston's run here in this season is is about him dealing with the aftermath of the time war. Mm -hmm. Just slowly learning about it and why all of his decisions right now are trying to like, I guess, redeem Mm -hmm. what he feels like he needs to to redeem from his actions during this event, you know? Yeah. But again, though, nobody, <laughs> nobody says even if it's not, anything. Yeah, even if it's not Rose, he's the one who's just like, Hey, like Dickens could have done it. He's not a fool. Like, let's like, <laughs> like there's something to be said for subtlety, but I feel like this is just avoiding anything related to the overarching season plot. You know what I mean? I feel like the adventure part overtook the, like, taking a moment to breathe because it's like yeah what like you said once we get into the funeral home it's like bam bam it's like now it's time to go down to the basement because that's where the rift is Mm -hmm. after we have like the briefest moments with rose and gwyneth which is like it's my decision to go and open this link i also the doctor was there for that conversation and gwen is going like these are angels sent to me Mm -hmm. by my dead mom (laughs) so like i i would have expected the doctor to be like okay i do want you to do this but they're not angels i would have liked a little bit more skepticism from the doctor when it comes to like the angelic sort of vibe around the aliens I don't know if I wanted more skepticism or him trying to explain in the because i get that maybe he would be able to explain in the language of somebody in Victorian England, like that try to like explain it that they're not, but like 
something she would understand. Like I get mm. he's he's it feels like he's using that as like a manipulation of like yeah, like to get her to like, yeah, like him it, not yeah. correcting her is sort of like a a shady thing on the doctor's part mm-hmm. where it's just like yo you believe whatever you gotta believe in order to get you to do what i want you to do right because yeah, i feel like later on like you think the doctor will be in a in future episodes i don't want to uh, get too far ahead but like there are times where the doctor starts trying to explain stuff in like a modern day parlance to somebody from like 1830 and they're like why are you trying to explain to them in future talk mm-hmm. that they're just not going to get? You know? <laughs> he explained things well enough to Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just didn't bother trying with yeah. Gwen. And I think it's just because like Gwen mentions this to Rose and she's just like, you think I'm a goddamn idiot. And it's just like, well, because you know, you kind of are comparatively, but mm-hmm. that's again, that's no reason to like look down on her. But then right. the doctor sort of does the same thing, and it just it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they all go down to the basement, and the 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 Gelf inform the rift is under this arch. Um, for I guess I guess nice framing for the cinematographer. <laughs> <laughs> um, some symbology because you know an archway is is a is a transition point between one place and another. <laughs> You know, all the something like that. Mm-hmm. Anywho, she goes into the arch and then um begins to open it and I guess gets possessed by the act of opening it in and of itself. And this is where everyone learns that the Gelf uh it's not just like a handful of, of survivors, it's it's billions. And like Gelf. it's not even they don't even like ease into it. It's just like, okay, we're through. Joke's on you, we're fucking evil. Yeah, like we're turning from blue to orange, just fully. Yeah, <laughs> just even the, yeah, the CGI even goes from from the, the color, the good blue to the evil red. <laughs> I also have in my notes just a really awful thing, which is the Gelth are, into, are uh, manipulative as fuck. There's a gaslighting joke in here somewhere. <laughs> That's good. <sighs> yeah, they possess all the corpses. They they kill Sneed because uh, I guess he needed to go. Um, Rose and the doctor are forced back into like a little prison cell that happens to be down there. Mm-hmm. Extra room. Yeah, it's like a cage. Like a very large yeah. prison cell. There's really no reason for there to be a cage. And yet, here we are. Yeah, it was I'm, a dungeon I'm, once. Racked my like historical brain here to figure out what that little extra place could have been. Like, is it like a storage place in the basement? Like, but the basement is already a storage place. (laughs) Also, um, I do want to point out that in terms of like random NPCs who get ganked, I felt the least bad about. Yeah, need that was no love for need. he he did enough morally gray stuff that when he when he was he was just like yeah eh, he got ganked. <laughs> Dickens um panics because why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and then runs out of there like a sane person would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he takes off. Um, the doctor and Rose have a moment. Oh, I think we kind of skipped over it at some point. Uh, it was something we should have talked about, but but they bring it up about here too, where Rose has a moment of just like, I can't die. I'm not even born yet. Um, mm-hmm. 
because we do have the information of when Rose is like, well, there's not, I know this doesn't work because corpses aren't mm-hmm. all over the place when I'm alive. And he's like, and the doctor gives his like, well, everything can change in a snap, right? Yeah. Time is in flux, you know? So even though we're in the past, it's kind of our um, lesson for any time we go into the past from now on in Doctor mm-hmm. Who is just because we're in the past doesn't mean things are going to play out. Yeah how we think they should and it's a good way to like get the audience to believe the stakes because mm-hmm. like at the end of this episode like nothing there's no long-standing repercussions to like society or anything like they do in like some of the other episodes um but this is where they sort of hint at that to make it believable where it's just like sure we got away with it this time but next time yeah. who's to say mm-hmm and then we also get the doctor's little speech of, uh, you know, I dumped boxes at the Boston Tea Party. I saw World War Five. Now I'm going to die in a dungeon. <laughs> and he <laughs> gives and he gives Rose a very important rule. You can die whenever. Mm-hmm. So as they're in there working up the courage to like one one last go, we're going to go out. Um, Dickens is. Like a you know running his ass off like a sensible person, and then he saw sees one of the gas hit like a gas pipe, and he's just like the gas. It like you know he has the light bulb goes off on his head, makes him realize that if they're attracted to gas, he can lure them out of the bodies by pumping gas up to the house. So he runs back into the house and starts turning off all the lamps, turns off the lamps, and then dumps the gas from the lamps into the like building. Mm-hmm. And then he runs down into the basement to inform the doctor of his plan, which, again, also gives one of my next favorite lines in the uh, show. Because he's like, I hope my my theory is proven out. And then the zombies start going mm. toward him. And he's like, immediately, hopefully. <laughs> right, where he's just um, like, oh, wow, I'm, I hope I'm right. And then they, they turn and start walking. And he's just like, I hope I'm right now. <laughs> Yeah, and he's proven right. Um, thankfully, at that moment before he is also ganged, uh, the geth are pulled from the bodies into the house into the mix of like gas that's now filling the place. Mm-hmm. We have the uh, the climax here. The doctor and Rose, um, they all go to Gwyneth and they try to talk her into closing the rift, but she can't close it. It's it's open, but she can keep all the the geth in the building. That's when she reaches into her apron to pull out the, the magic she had from which, lighting, you know? which brings me to the uh, this segment uh, or like this episode of Deus Ex Machina sci fi stuff, mm-hmm. which is a match. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Just sci fi things. Yep. Also, I would like to say two episodes in a row in which we've had an NPC sacrifice themselves by dying in a fire. Yeah, they sort of recycled a couple of things <laughs> this episode. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like they were like, hey, let's go to the future and do that and go to the past and do the exact same thing. But like, the Do past. you think that the, the parallels there were intentional or do you think they... No. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark Gatiss. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, Russell and Mark talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even if they didn't, that's like a crazy coincidence, right? Yeah, that's neat. Uh, Rose doesn't want to leave, um, but the doctor's like, I'm not going to leave her if, don't worry, 
and Charles and Rose runs, they, they get out of the building. And that's when we learn um, Gwyneth died at some point when she opened the rift. Mm-hmm. But she's still communicating with them. Right. Which, But they had to make it better because it was like she didn't actually die in the explosion. She was already dead. Mm-hmm. Because so of fine. the doctor's insistence that she do the thing yeah. that she did. So, so she sh- sacrifices herself by flipping the match. She mm-hmm. blows up, but she didn't really die then. And then we go outside and there, and Rose is just like, but how does that make sense? How was she talking to us if she was already dead? And then Charles Dickens's line in, in that instance, it, it was a reference to something. I don't remember what it's a reference to, but he's like, there are more mysteries in this world than can be explained by your philosophy or, or something like that. And it's a, it's a great line. Um, mm-hmm. which is basically their way of saying, see, there is a little bit of supernatural stuff in this sci-fi. There's show. also a nice line also to be like, the doctor might know a lot, mm. but he doesn't know everything. Right. And, and it sort of just, it, it sort of brings back to what he told Dickens earlier in the episode where it's just like, you're not wrong. There's just more to learn, which I think yeah. is a really good attitude about like how science evolves um because mm-hmm. for the information that people had they almost always made the like scientifically logical choice but when they started to learn more you know it it evolved from there yeah and then we get they go all back head back to the tardis and we get the goodbyes um and they give uh dickens the one last like surprise when they mm-hmm. when they disappear also dickens is like scandalized by rose giving him a kiss on the cheek yeah just like how modern it's like oh <laughs> i love that the doctor's parting words to charles is just down boy and then he dies a few weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he tells him that he's gonna like change the ending to the mystery of ezra and drood here but like as the doctor informs rose he's not gonna be able to, he's not gonna finish that one does that one actually go unfinished? Yeah, he never finishes it. He has his final stroke that June hmm. of eighteen seventy. Yeah, never six to months finish. to finish this book and didn't do it. Well, because he, the way he wrote his books was chapter like monthly for like newspapers. That's how all of his books oh, were released right. first. Serial, yeah. He wrote them as a serial, yeah. So, so he wrote six was, more uh, chapters. Yeah, how many are there yeah, many chapters like it was required of him to write? Yeah. You know? But like that was just how a lot of books were done back in back in that the Victorian day. I didn't know that, thank you. Mm-hmm. So he never gets to finish it and yeah, that's our episode. They go back to the future. I don't think they the say where they go back to the future. <laughs> <laughs> God oh my damn God. It. <laughs> um I we glossed oh. over this. Um, and like, because I'm not entirely sure when it happens, because obviously my notes are a little, you know, jumbled. Um, <laughs> but one of my favorite lines ever spoken by anyone ever is Charles Dickens saying, what the Shakespeare? And I think it's just so cute because he wouldn't say what the Dickens, because that doesn't make any sense. And so he, I, I forgot that what the Dickens is a thing people say. Yeah. I thought he was just like self-censoring for no reason. <laughs> no, it's it's he's he's because the the relatively common phrase, maybe not so much anymore, is what the Dickens, right? But mm-hmm. without 
him that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. so it's like it shows us this evolution of language that never was you know what i mean like people didn't go around what saying what the shakespeare no but it, it's cute to think about that yeah you can't have charles dickens say what the dickens <laughs> it's too <laughs> like on the nose or we just all start swearing by our last names <laughs> another thing that i uh we we glossed over is that when the grandma and the grandson both attack Rose, right? And then they get mm-hmm. them back in the coffins. Um, Sneed opens up the coffin with the guy, and he is very, very clearly alive. Like, that is for sure. Like, they did not tell this guy to, like, stay put. They didn't tell him to not breathe. He's just very obviously a guy in a coffin. His, like, like eye twitches, and you can see him yeah, breathing. you can see his chest, yeah. <laughs> so... It was a fun episode. I think I want to know me, what your unforgivable quibbles were, Robert. It was mostly the transitions and everything. Like I said, it mm-hmm. feels like there was like gaps missing in this mm-hmm. episode, and there were for me. It's that moment where like it feels like they're going for like this moral argument of like what's the right thing to do with like corpses and like how do you help these gas beings like. And then we immediately go into the rift and they're all zombies out to kill everyone. Yeah, yeah, I do think it would have been a lot more interesting had they not turned evil. And I did write down like, oh, damn, we couldn't get one good alien race that wasn't just trying to kill everybody. Like, per- Okay, so if we're going to do this, right, I'm going to, I'm going to, we'll st- this is like a new segment, right? Where we'll be like, what would we do different? Uh, we'll, we'll try to like rewrite the episode or like try to make it fit better to like what we would have enjoyed. Personally, I think that if the Geld were being forced into this, like they were a small group being forced in by another like gaseous entity or something else that needed the rift open. Um, and like the end of the episode was them like still seeing the Gelf. Um, I keep, I think I keep calling them Geld, but they seeing them at, off like the doctor's plan was. So like, they're not evil. They were just being sort of used kind of like how they were using mm-hmm. everybody else. I would have, I think I would have liked that because it would have like there was like a big bad behind them. Or yeah. like somebody tried to sneak in. Cause I think it would have yeah. like a filth or something. <laughs> <laughs> it would have, I think it would have added to like you were saying, Robert, the moral question of the episode, yeah. which is just like, is this right or wrong? And like at the end of the episode, if like they beat the big bad, but the Gelf are still around and like, they have to home them and they have to figure this out. I think that lends more to that idea as opposed to, oh, is this morally right or wrong? It doesn't matter. They're evil. End of episode. I really would have Mm -hmm. liked to see them dig into that a little bit more because I really Mm -hmm. liked the argument that was like, don't you have an organ donor card? Mm -hmm. How is this any different from like recycling? Yeah. Like you're willing to donate your body to a person when you die Mm -hmm. because you're not using it anymore. Right. So like, why aren't you willing to donate your body to an alien? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I just want to see the, like, progression of Rose learning not to be racist against aliens. I, th- I think we do get some of that this season. <laughs> yeah, I feel like for this episode, the, the adventureness of it overtook slowing down at moments. Because the what I liken it to is uh, the adaptation I watched a couple of months ago of Sharp's Rivals. Because it's a very adventure-heavy show. Because it's, you know sean bean playing an action hero in the napoleonic wars <laughs> but they do slow down every so often to have a more like you want me to send my men in to die to 
put a flag up that has no military significance at all and it's like yes because morale is an important thing you're gonna stick your men and go in to die like hmm. you could have an adventure show and then have moments where it makes you think of like stuff like that and i feel like that's what was missing in this mm-hmm. episode was like like i said the transitions weren't there to for that like have you that moment of thinking before you went back into the adventure where you're like all right let's get back in the blown up french napoleon <laughs> yeah because so let's go back into saving aliens you know because they gave us the moral like gray area but it didn't last long enough for it to carry any weight to it mm-hmm. yeah so after so that glowing recommendation what would we numerically give this episode as much as i have fun with dickens and everything i feel like they did a good job of portraying him like he had his own arc I feel like that's a good uh, my favorite part of the episode is like the side character the historical side character had an arc mm-hmm. to himself for the episode right he wasn't just there to be his historical character <laughs> right he went from grumpy like man I'm doing this again to like he scrooged out to yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> he got a, his own little Christmas carol story mm-hmm so he went from like grumpy to so back to like I got stuff to do, I got life to things to learn, I got yeah. life to live, right? He like to Sorry, to, you're gonna die in six months, my guy. <laughs> so you might say that he added a little bit more gas to his fire. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but like it yeah. But but those missing like I said, I'm gonna keep calling them transitions. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put it at I'm put it at a six. I was also going to go with a six, kind of for the same reasons, which is that the high points were higher than the past one, but the mm-hmm. plot holes were holier. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that because we gave the last one a six. Yeah. Um, that, that's why it's the same rating. Interesting. I didn't There's like this wider variance. This one as much. Really? Personally, I would give this one a five, I think. Oh, because I thought. Maybe we need to start getting into decimals because this is definitely, I think, better than the first episode, which we gave a five. I think mm-hmm. I, I I would caution us to revise our rankings, but I do think maybe it's worth revisiting the pilot as a four or five. Well, because I think we I think we rushed too hard. Maybe to be we like, should have set it at zero and gone with like a negative number positive number kind of scale <laughs> maybe hmm. that'd be an interesting scale i i would personally maybe put that at a four now um because i feel like maybe we were just high on like oh this is the first episode you know it's got to be the average but like in general it wasn't very good mm-hmm. like it did its job but then it didn't really do a lot else that's okay. my pitch. I think, I think that's true. Should, uh, I just like the baseline being at the mean, but it's fine. <laughs> and I'm okay, like, if we do, like, a season wrap and we can hash out our numbers yes. here. Yeah. We should like, do, we gotta we do, do a tier like, list. Episodes and we can hash out what all our numbers are for them all. Okay. So we'll give this one, for now, a 5.5. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> 
and we will reconvene. The council will reconvene at the end of the season. Okay. Was there anything else we wanted to talk about? Did you have any more drunk notes? Um, I think I do have uh, one that I could potentially, like this could be a drunk note. It could be a sober note. Um, okay. Okay. Remember when I said, hey, that's that girl from Torchwood? Was, was that a drunk or a sober thought? I didn't realize that was a note. I thought you were just saying that. No, I'm, that's, I'm just really good at doing that. I feel like that's a first time note. So drunk? Because you, you watched it drunk the first time, correct? Correct. I think all of your notes are drunk. I don't think you have any sober notes. Uh, you both get a point and Libby does get the extra point for realizing <laughs> that I never gave you guys in this game. I never gave you guys a sober note. I wrote down two sober notes my second time watching it, which was what the Shakespeare and okay. the guy obviously shifting when the coffin opens. Those were my two sober notes. Listen, if you had said what the Shakespeare as drunk or sober, I would have guessed drunk. So you missed your chance to bamboozle me. I did. So uh, with the extra point, Libby, you, 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 you got five points to Robert's three. So you won this, this edition of drunk or sober. <laughs> Well, you were actually keeping track. I was, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Robert, you could have actually won something. Next time. All right. You win the golden shot glass. And nobody who's listening can prove that I didn't give you a golden shot glass right now. Don't worry. We'll circle back to this at the end of the season. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm sure that there's an outro waiting for you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Good night. Night. Go on. Thanks for listening to Doctor Whom. This episode was written and produced by Andrew Blayhawk, Libby Burnett, and Robert O'Brien. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for the use of his song Space Jazz. If you like the show, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Doctor Whom Pod. And if you are so inclined to support us monetarily, please consider backing us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Doctor Whom. And as always, keep listening for more goofy sci-fi and 2020's opinions on a 2000s show. Thank you.